so excited for conference. We've been working hard. The teams at the church have been working extremely hard and getting everything ready. And man, I'm excited for what God is about to do in this place. I'm already excited about what God has already been doing in this place. Um, can't wait to what, what, what announcements happen on Friday night. There's a lot of stuff brewing right now, you guys. I'm telling you right now, uh, somebody, somebody's going to do something powerful. In fact, more than one person is going to do some pretty powerful things that is going to be announced on Friday night. So excited to, to have a conference upon us. But as I said before, uh, there's a lot that's going into it. So we do want all teams to help out wherever you can. Of course, Wednesday night, we're not having midweek, um, but we are doing some cleanup around the house. So um, instead of going to Pizza Show or anywhere else, Come to the house and come help us get the campus ready for conference. Can anybody agree to that? Can, come on. Kids Life needs your help. Um, all the teams that are serving are going to be doing some cleanup. Our cafe team. Hey, there are a lot of people that showed up on Saturday for the cafe team, you guys. Excited about that. It's going to be amazing. So if you still want to be on the cafe team, make sure that you call our office or, or text our office. And if you don't know the number, you can find it on our app or on our website, um, if you're writing it down or if you have your phone out right now, text to 310-644-2236. Leave your name on the text and let them know that you want to serve and uh, we'll get you trained up and we'll get you part of the, the team there. Also, our Spanish service showed up uh, on Saturday, so we've got our Spanish team there and uh, man, it's just gonna be a great time. They're already dialing in um, the specialty drinks, I told them that I want a drink called the, the John Morgan. How many guys love John Morgan, Pastor John Morgan? Pastor John, if you're watching this. Um, what you don't know is that every time he comes to Restoration Life, the minister, he has a quad Americana. And what, what a quad Americana is, an Americana already comes with two shots of espresso and he adds four more shots to it. Yeah, you wonder why he's so, like, zinging on Sunday morning when, when he's with us. Yes, it is the Holy Spirit, but he's got some fake Holy Ghost there, too, working <laughs> alongside of him. And uh, so I told, I told Roxanne, Roxanne, can you please give me a John Morgan drink? I want a John Morgan drink. No, I'm just kidding. She came up with the idea. And uh, <laughs> Pastor Kelly Lorkey, if you're watching this, Pastor Kelly Lorkey, when I went to go preach for him at his service, I'm, I'm the only guy, I think me and one other guy, are the only guys who've ever done all their services on Sunday. I think they had like six services with, with um, team leader meetings and all this stuff. They have this drink called the Disciple and in their cafe. And, and what it is, is two Red Bulls and a scoop of Hawaiian punch. Yeah, I was like, my heart was about to come out of my chest. Oh, is it Kool-Aid? Oh, Kool-Aid, I'm sorry, not Hawaiian punch. It's two Red Bulls and a scoop of Kool-Aid. And man, I felt like that big, fat, high-seat kid breaking through um, barriers on that Sunday. But um, we're coming up with our own drinks. Um, I, I want you to come. Here, here's something that's coming for me. Have a drink called Keeping It Real. Let, let me have the Keep It Real. That, that, that drink is going to fire people up. Okay. Anyways, so our cafe is going to be having a soft open coming up, hopefully, by the time of conference. And uh, man, we're just excited for that place. Now that space, let me just say this, that space is for you, not, the, the purpose of the cafe is not for you to drink coffee. The purpose of the cafe is for you to connect face to face with one another and
and build some relationships with one another. That, that is the purpose of the cafe, to fellowship, to connect, and, and to do that, we are going to caffeine you up before service. Right? We're going to caffeine you up before you serve, before you come into worship. You can see people here, woohoo! You know, <laughs> a little, little, little bit more in them before service. But it, it really is about you guys fellowshipping and worshiping. But what we don't want is we don't want you guys down there during worship. We are closing the cafe five minutes before service starts. So just so you know. That's already a protocol, because I already know some people. Some people just like to talk, right? And that's good, but not during worship, right? Worship is when we come together collaboratively to experience the presence of God. Can anybody say amen? So, listen, we, 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 are, going, we are working things out, but man, we're excited about the cafe. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. How many of you are excited about being the church? Yeah? How many of you excited about presenting yourselves a living sacrifice? Holy and acceptable to God. Today I want to continue looking at Romans chapter 12, but I want to look at the latter portion of Romans chapter 12, because here's our anchor thought. Our anchor thought is that you cannot say that you love God and hate his bride. You cannot say that you love Jesus and yet you have hate for your brother or your sister in Christ. You can't say that you love God and not be an active member of the body of Christ, which the Bible describes as the bride of Christ. In fact, while you're in Romans chapter 12, let me take you real quickly to 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, because it sounds like they had problems in the early church, and those problems haven't ended for thousands of years. Listen to what he says. He says, we love each other because he, Jesus, loved us first. Because God loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a... Ooh, that's so good. How many know that the Bible will preach better than any preacher on this planet? Come on, the Bible will preach to you better than any person on this planet. The Bible preaches truth. Listen, if anyone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that's somebody else that believes in Jesus, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, then how can we love a God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, love, or, or to those who love God, must also love their fellow Believers, That's good. Somebody say that's good. So how many know that God has been merciful to us? Right? So we are to be merciful to one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 13, the Bible says this. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. I love that. You belong to each other. We belong to each other. You belong to me, and I belong to you. We are many parts of one body, and we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift 
is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it is giving, then give generously. Watch this. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Then he says this. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take lightly or take delight, I'm sorry, in honoring each other. How many know that this is the house of honor? Right? We honor one another. And one of my life scriptures, never be lazy. Look at somebody and tell them, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Work hard. Look at somebody tell them, work hard. Come on, if you want to get a little hood, tell them, do work, son. I mean, you know, just work. Work hard and serve the Lord. What? Enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice what? Let's pray. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. We're so grateful for the time that we have together today. So much going on in all of our lives. But right now, we're assembled together as the church to hear from your living word challenged by your Holy Spirit and to be quickened and prompted into doing what you have called us to do. God, we thank you for today. I pray for an anointing on my lips, God, that you would speak, God, that your word would speak clearly to each and every single one of us, God. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. I, I, I want to talk to you about gifts for the bride. Gifts for the bride. And we are the bride of Christ. What we need to recognize this morning is that God has given the bride gifts for service. And there are things that we need to talk about when, when we talk about the gifts, when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are a couple of things that we need to talk about that might open up some narrow thinking concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as well as skills and talents and abilities that I believe come from God anyways. The, the first thing that I want to look at this morning, and I'm not going to finish today, this is going to be part one of, of a part of two-part message, but for, just for the time that we have today, I want to talk to you about the purpose of God's gifts. Number one, the purpose of God's gifts are to advance the kingdom of God, period, end of story. The gifts are God, the gifts from God are from God, I'm sorry, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are from God, and they are for God's purpose. Now that's important, because so often people use the gift that God gives them for their own purpose. But God gives us His gifting, His, these talents, these skills, these abilities, if you will, to serve Him throughout our life. Because if, it, if we do have a purpose, and we do have a plan, and we do have a destiny, and God has predestined us to do good works, then all the things that are good come from God. Can anybody say amen to that? So the gifts of God are from God, and they are for God's purpose. I would like us to think a little bit more broader concerning the gifts, the skills, and the abilities that are given to us 
called natural. And my belief is this. My belief is that this might release some of you from your inhibition to do what God has created you to do or your inability to do what God's created you to do. Because so often we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit as the things that are miraculous, and they are. Because they come from the Holy Spirit, they are miraculous, but they are the miraculous gifts. For instance, the gift of speaking in tongues, or the gift of the interpretation of tongues, or the gift of prophecy, or the gift of discerning of spirits. These are the miraculous gifts that, 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 that not everybody has. And so when we think about those gifts, we think, well, I'm not worthy, or I don't have them, and so maybe I shouldn't be serving at whatever capacity God is calling me to. And I want you to know that that's a wrong way of thinking about the gifts because everybody gets a gift. It's just different. And so my hope is that talking about this today might release some of you into your joy and ability in serving God and that it would stop inhibiting you from using all your potential for Jesus. Can anybody say amen to that? I want to look at some of the things that, that the Bible has to say about gifts real quickly. Ephesians, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. Look at somebody tell them you're a masterpiece. I think I heard somebody say, I know. <laughs> you are God's masterpiece. Watch this. This is so good. For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that we can do the good things that he had planned for us long ago to do. And so God's given us this new life and he's empowered us to live this new life to accomplish all that he's purposed for our life to do. Ephesians 2.10 out of the Passions Translation says it this way. That we have become his poetry, recreated people that will fulfill the destiny that he's given to each of us. For we are joined to Jesus. Listen to that. Because apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. But with Jesus, all things are possible, right? So this is all flowing together. The anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we will do to fulfill it. And so I want today to be more of an encouragement and, and, and also... Um, a level of understanding for you because deep down inside, I think all of us want to matter in life. All of us want to have significance in life. And so when we stand before God on the day that we go home to be with Jesus, I don't know about you, but I do want to hear, hey, Eddie, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Welcome home, Eddie. Man, you did great. You exhausted yourself. You gave everything that I gave you to use, and you used it for my glory. Come on in, son. Welcome home. Here's your reward. Come on in. I was like, yeah, come on. Woo! I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear. Wait, 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 wait. Is his name found written in the Lamb's Book of Life? I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, John I know, Peter I know, Mitch I know, but you I don't know. But Lord, I, didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I? 
prophesy in your name. Didn't I speak in tongues in your name? Like, no, no, no. I never knew you. Depart from me. I don't want to hear that either. You know what I don't want to hear either? I don't want to hear, hey, you're going to get to come in, but real quickly, i got to ask you, why didn't you use all the gifts that I gave you? And why didn't, I, why didn't you reach all the people that I wanted you to reach? And why didn't you love those people that I put you around to love? Why didn't you forgive those people that I asked you to forgive? Why didn't you do those things? I filled you with so much of my presence, with so much of my power, with so much of my, my gifting. What, what kept you from doing and becoming all that I want you to be? I don't want to sit there and be like, I don't know. Because I think most of us do know. Why we do and why we don't do some of the things that we do. So I want everybody to hear this loud and clear this morning. From young to older or more refined, from single to married, from teenager um, to baby boomer. Amen. I want you to hear that your life matters to Jesus. And that your life matters to this house. That you are a vital and very important part of the body of Jesus Christ. Whether you are serving at a high capacity or a low capacity or whether or not you just started coming to this church and you want to be a part of the family of God, I want you to know that your life matters. I don't care what the world has said to you. I don't care what the old high school teacher said to you. I don't care, amen, what some of your friends said. I want you to know that your life matters to God and your life matters to us. You are vital, you are important, you are special. Are you hearing me this morning? You matter. Look at somebody tell them, you matter. You matter to God. You're, you're a part of this family. You're a part of this moving and active body that the Bible calls the bride of Christ. And if you are a part of this body and you are a member of the bride of Christ and if you are saved and if you are a Christian and if you are pursuing a relationship with Jesus, then you need to know about ministry and what ministry entails because ministry can be skewed for a lot of different reasons. Ministry for a Christian isn't just helping people or doing good things. Ministry, when you look at what it really actually means and what it really does in the Bible, ministry is serving others for the sake of the gospel. Ministry is serving others in ways that reflects God's character and it advances God's purpose both here on the campus when we're corporately together and outside of this campus as you do life as the church out there. Every Sunday we come here to worship God together to be encouraged, to be equipped, sometimes to be corrected and instructed, and, and also to serve. But at the end of the day, what matters is what happens when you leave out those doors back into your world to serve Jesus through your life. This thing has started to echo now. Maybe turn it down. It's, it's really hot. In order to do that, you and I have to learn how to serve one another with our gifts. Everybody has a gift. In fact, Galatians 5.13 says this. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. 
Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all that we do. So serving should never be limited to the things that we do for one another here in the assembly of the body of Christ or for other followers of Jesus Christ. But you need to know this morning that ministry is something that we also embrace to do for those that don't know Jesus as of yet. For those that God is calling to himself. Do you know that no one can accept Jesus unless the Holy Spirit is drawing them to himself? Here's what I want you to learn this morning. That Jesus will use your life and the gift that he placed inside of you to draw the lost to himself. So... So it's, it's important that not only are we serving God together here in the house, but even more so that we are the church outside of this place to everybody else. Everybody tracking with me? Because I think that too often, <laughs> I think that too often, people put on their Christian game face on Sundays. Right? We get on campus and we're like, hey brother, God bless you. How are you? Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm doing well. Glory to God. So am I. Praise Jesus. But if we can be honest, you don't talk like that when you leave this place. You're not like at Burger King going, hey, praise God. Can I get a double whopper? Glory to God. And a large fry. And um, some of those, those chicken fries. Glory to Jesus with a Diet Coke. Glory to God. We don't do that. That's just goofy and weird. Why do we do that when we come here? But we don't do that when we're off campus. Come on. How many know that God doesn't do goofy? Leave goofy at Disneyland. This is the kingdom of God. Right? So, so it's okay to be like, oh, praise God, that's awesome. If that's how you talk everywhere that you go. But I'm here to tell you that a lot of times people put on their, their spiritual game face when they get here on Sunday. But they're not like, hey, honey, glory to God, praise God, can you hand me the milk? Right? We don't do that. We don't do that. I want you to know that it's important for you to come here and to serve one another in love, right? And be merciful to one another and to use the gifts that God has given you. But I want you to know, and I need you to hear this, that God has given you these gifts, not just to serve here on Sundays, but to be a shining light Monday through Saturday as well. Right? To be the salt of the earth. To be the kind of person that, that when they look at you and they look at your life, they look at your marriage and they look at your parenting and they, they look at the way that you live their life, they go, man, God is on that person. There's something about you that's attractive, right? Some people are like, I don't know why I'm so attracted to the way that you do things, but what is it about you that I'm not getting? And, and you're like, I don't know. I love God and I love people. What, however, you know, Francis Assisi said, you know, preach the gospel and if you have to, use words. Because how many know that actions speak louder than, right? So being the church outside of this assembly, I think, is very, very important to who we are and what God has called us to do. Matthew says to go out into all the world and preach 
the gospel and make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? We do that by being the church, not just here on Sunday, but being the church out there at our job, in the mall, at the beach, on our campuses. Are you hearing me? Around family functions. We are the church and we're shining lights and we use the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we use the talents and the abilities that he gives us to serve everybody and not just those that call themselves believers. The purpose of spiritual gifts in our lives are for serving both people inside and outside of the assembly of the church. And so this is what brings me to the place, the place where these gifts are manifest. The place where ministry happens is both here and out there. I said at the beginning of this message that I think that spiritual gifts are often misunderstood, and I believe that, that they have in ways, have had the effect of, of this belief system of if, if you look at like, like a worship leader or, or if you look at um, uh, somebody doing media or you see somebody doing sound, you're like, I can't do that. And you're like, like I don't have the gift to do that. Or, or you look at somebody that comes out here and speaks really well or teaches really well or prophesies or speaks in tongues, you think, I can't do that. And so it, w- when you say that I can't do that, what you're, you're doing is you're placing limitations on what God can do through you. And what I want you to hear this morning is that everybody gets a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's like, Oprah, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want... <laughs> erase that. Erase that from... I don't want to liken the Holy Spirit to Oprah in any way, shape, or form. But the reality is, <laughs> Oprah got that from the Holy Spirit. Everything or everybody that's a part of the assembly of the body of Christ gets a gift. Here's what I want you to hear too. People that are not saved, people that are not born again, are giving good things as well. Talents and abilities. Talents and abilities. You're like, well, well, that happened because my mom could sing. Now, I have vocals too. I can sing too. It might have been transferred in the DNA process, but I want you to hear this morning is that every good gift comes from the Father of Lights. And if it's good, it comes from God. And so whether it be a, a, a miraculous gift that you receive from the baptism of the Holy Spirit that is divine, or it is a natural gift or talent that you receive from birth and you grew up with, It is all for the glory of God. Can anybody say amen? And so what happens is when we come into the church, we're able to redeem those gifts and use them for God's glory. And so real quickly, we teach this in DNA. There are five quick things that we always look at when we consider spiritual gifts. Everybody gets a spiritual gift, perhaps more than one. I know that I myself, my wife, and I know many of you have more than one spiritual gift. But spiritual gifts are distributed by God, the Holy Spirit, as He pleases. So you'll get whatever He wants you to have or whatever He believes you're ready to exercise. Three, the purpose for which God distributes the gift, again, is for ministry. It is for us to serve and advance the gospel. So you have to be able to determine what that gift is and how it functions both within the body and outside of the body 
as you are the body of Christ and how you use that gift. And this is some of the things that we teach in DNA. So if you haven't signed up for DNA, make sure that you sign up for DNA today because we're kicking it off in September. But, but, but where it starts to get a little bit skewed is, is between points three and four of what I just read off. Because when you read Romans chapter 12, when you read 1 Corinthians 12, when you read Ephesians chapter 4, and, 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 when, and when you read um, uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, you'll see that you can restrict the gifts of the Holy Spirit to things that are just used predominantly within the confines of the body of Christ on a Sunday morning in church service. But I want you to think beyond that. Because what, what, what happens... When, when you have somebody who's a, actually a really great singer, really, it's not mentioned in any of the gifts, but you could stretch out one of the gifts of service, right, to mean that, well, if you're a singer, you're going to serve in the house, so that means you have a gift from the Holy Spirit to serve within the house, and so the gift of singing is the gift of God. But I want you to look beyond that. I want you to be able to see beyond that, because I want you to know that what happens in the church building on a Sunday morning if it is your only definition of ministry, then your idea of ministry is skewed. Because the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not just to serve one another, other believers, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit are also to serve the unbelievers so that they can become a believer. And again, let me say this clearly again. God will use you. He'll use your marriage. He'll use your kids. He'll use... Your, your ministry here at church, he'll use the gifting that he placed on you to draw people to himself. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, about the gift says, each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks with the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. First Corinthians, he writes to the church in Corinthians, he says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them um, and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So to one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, by means of the same spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, by that one spirit, to another miraculous power, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another one speaking in different tongues, and to another still an interpretation of tongues. I want you to know that we are a spirit-filled church here today, that these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes to each of them as he determines. So what if, so what if your view of, of, of the gifts are just that? So what does that mean for me if, if I want to serve coffee in the coffee house? Is that a gift? What if, what if, what if I'm, I need to feed my neighbor's dog because they're on vacation? Can, I, can that be a gift? What about baking? Cookies? Can that be a gift? Does anybody, a baker here, can I have your phone number real quick? Anybody bake here? Right? It, can baking be a gift? Can, 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 can being a good husband, can that be a gift? Can being a good wife be a gift? Can being a good mom and dad be a gift? Come on. Because I, I know that there are not as many good husbands as there should be, but a good husband can teach those husbands how to be better husbands. And I know that, that in fact, the Bible says that the women in the church are supposed to teach the younger women in the church how to be good wives. Right, so is that a gift? 
right? Is, is sound, is lighting? Because I don't see any lighting technicians in the, in the Bible. Can that be a gift? What about creativity? Can that be a gift? How about making graphics? Can that be a gift? Are, are, are these gifts? How about social media? Posting on social media, taking pictures, and posting on social media. Can that be a gift? Is that good? Is that something that I can do for the church? Are, are, are you tracking what I'm saying? Because if you just limit yourself, well, I don't speak, I don't prophesy, I don't do this, I don't do that, so I'm not, I, I'm not qualified. Again, let me tell you, your life matters, and everybody gets a gift. What happens a lot is that sometimes we feel like we'll stretch the definitions of something that's in the Bible to accommodate other things that we want it to say, but it doesn't really say. How many know that there's actually a spiritual gift of embroidery? You guys are laughing. Mitch is probably going, okay, now you've lost it. You, you lost it, Pastor. You lost me on this one. There's actually a gift of embroidery. Making t-shirts. Making hats. Making clothing. Project Runway for the Kingdom. You think I'm playing. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 35. In case you didn't know, the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament, too. He's in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Can I take you somewhere? Uh, trust me, I'm going to land this plane. But I need you to stay with me because I'm taking you somewhere. Because I want everybody to know that just because you can't sing or you can't preach or you can't prophesy or you can't, or you can't evangelize or you can't be an apostle or you can't be a pastor, just because you can't do those things don't mean that you can't do something for Jesus. And what I need you to hear this morning is that if God saved you, God placed a gift inside of you. And that gift of ministry or that gift was to serve him through ministry, both inside of the house and outside of the house. So stay with me. Exodus 3530. All right, you there? Okay, if you're not, it'll be on the screen. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with... With who? Okay. With wisdom and understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of... To make... To work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of... And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, the tribe of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others, he has filled them with the skill to do all kinds of work as come on, in blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. So who gave him the gift? God gave him the gift. God who? God the Holy Spirit gave him the gift. In case you didn't realize, the Holy Spirit's all over the Old Testament. So here's the background. God has instructed the people of Israel to build a tabernacle. It's a kind of mobile church. It's a kind of mobile ministry, a kind of portable sanctuary for worship. And, and this is during their 40 years of wandering excuse me, in the desert after they left Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land, Canaan. Once they settled in Canaan, they would build a temple of stone under King Solomon. 
But in the meantime, they needed a structure that they could break down and transport from place to place and relocate. Sounds like a mobile church to me. Sounds like a, a place of meeting where the Holy Spirit of God comes and meets with his people and people come and bring their sacrifices to God. It's called the tabernacle. And so God gave the people a very specific instruction on how to build a tabernacle, tabernacle, its dimensions, the materials to be used, its construction. It even went as far as, 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 as talking about how he wanted the furniture and, and how it would be placed in it. He also gave very specific instructions to Aaron and his sons and the kind of clothing that they would wear inside of the tabernacle. I don't see skinny jeans anywhere there, but I'm sure somebody thought about it later. Anyway, my key point is this this morning. Number three, everyone involved in the construction of the tabernacle were enabled to do their work for God. Here's what I need you to hear this morning. The Bible is very clear that the Lord builds this house. But He uses you and I as the laborers to build it. We are all construction workers, if you will, in building the house of God. He is the head. We are the members of that body. And He puts giftings in each and every single one of us that is like the different functions of our body. Mouth, hands, feet, legs, knees, every body part, every organ has a very specific duty. And you need to hear this morning, you are not saved by what you do. You're only saved by the grace of God. But the Bible is very clear that if you are saved and you are serving God, then you are going to do good deeds. Because the Bible says, you have faith, good. Show me your good deeds. Because if you are saved and you are a man or a woman of faith, then the byproduct of that is that you are going to do ministry within the body of Christ and outside of the, the body of Christ. And so everyone involved in fashioning the priestly garments of the temple, everything that they did was given to them by God. Now, you might say, yeah, but that's not a real spiritual gift. Embroidery, embroidery is not that spiritual. It's like saying, making a graphic, it's not that spiritual. Building in the church, building stuff, working on construction, it's not that spiritual. It's not like preaching. It's not like teaching. It's not like prophesying. The reality is, though, God gave them those skills. God gave them those talents. God gave them those abilities. And God gives us, all of us, a gift, a skill, a talent, or an ability to work in the ministry for the advancing of his gospel. And so verse 31 tells us that it was the Spirit of God that does this. Exodus 28, 2 and 4 says, Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron and give him dignity and honor. To all the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so that he may serve me as priest. These are the garments that they are to make. And of course, it goes, talks about the breastplate, the ephod, uh, the turban, and the sash. And they are to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his son so they could serve me as priest. So again, here we see a spiritual gift in designing and fashioning beautiful garments. Did you ever think that making a beautiful garment could be considered a spiritual thing to do? 
How about the construction trade? Exodus 36.1. So Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out the good work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. And, and we can go on and on and on where you see that everybody was given something to do in order to move the kingdom of God forward. How, how does this make sense to us? Well, James chapter 1 verse 17 says this, every good gift, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of, of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So if we've been given good gifts, if we've been given talents and abilities, then we all have a place in the body of Christ to serve. Come on, talk to me now. Here's, here's the point. Nobody has an excuse for not doing something for Jesus with their life. Absolutely nobody has an excuse for not doing something for Jesus with their life. You may serve through your gifting here on campus, or you may serve through your gifting, your talent, or your skill off campus. But what you need to know is that we all need to serve together as the bride of Christ in ministry for the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand of praise. That is a biblical truth. And have our worship team come back up because I'm going to bring this so close. I want you to hear this. And I want you to think about this with me. And it was something that one of my friends, Mike Perez, brought up on Wednesday night at the conference last, last week. What I want you to hear this morning is that sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is say yes. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is saying yes to God and whatever you're being asked to do for God. It doesn't matter how big it is. And in fact, what I want to talk to you about right now, it really doesn't matter how small it is because even the smallest yeses can be the biggest can have the biggest outcomes. L let me just share with you for just a minute. When I first started going to church, um, I was as raw as raw can be. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, like when I first went to the church and I gave my life to Jesus, I was still learning how not to cuss anymore. It was raw. Like every other word that came out of my mouth was just like, raw <laughs> because I didn't know any better it's not the world that I grew up in it's not the lifestyle that I grew up in and so I was raw in fact all of you if not most of you know that I didn't even go to church for Jesus I went to church for the pretty girl and I got that pretty girl too <laughs> but but I was raw and so when I went to church I can remember very specifically um, going to church and seeing guys somewhat my age, maybe a little bit older, you know, dressed in ties and slacks, and they would receive the offering, and I would see pastor, you know, preaching, and I would see guys, you know, um, uh, playing instruments, and, and I would see people, you know, teaching in Sunday school, and Roxanne served in Sunday school and in nursery, and, and I'd go, and, and I just kind of showed up kind of just showed up because I didn't know any better. I was raw. And I was like, well, I, I can't do that. I can't preach because I don't know enough about the Bible. I can't teach because I don't know enough about the Bible. Plus, I don't like speaking in front of people. So, I, so I'm not going to preach either. So 
and I can't do that because I don't have that kind of clothing and I can't do that. So I, I, I disqualified myself from doing anything inside of the house. I remember this like it was yesterday. I remember on a Saturday morning, pastor asked, hey, do you remember this? I want to build a stage. Do you remember the stage? Our, our back wall was wood paneling. Remember that? It was wood paneling. had a brown banner that said, I don't know what. I, don't, I forget. But, I mean, I was still wearing slip-on bands, a muscle shirt, because I was very muscular back then. <laughs> and some khaki corduroids, because I was just, that's how I rolled. And I remember, I was looking for the picture and I couldn't find it, but you remember this. You'll remember this. I remember going to church and not really feeling like I fit in with anybody else other than Roxanne because that's who I was pursuing. And so I remember I, I, I wasn't, I still had my earrings on too, you know, and pastor like was trying forever to get my earrings off. I don't know why, but I had earrings on both ears and he was trying to get my earrings off and I had a gold necklace with the cross. You remember this. And, and in fact, the way that I cut my hair back then would be looked upon as rebellious. I didn't even know that. But the way that I styled my hair back then, which is a lot like how Pastor Mitch's is right now, it would, look to be, it would be looked upon as rebellious. I had more of a shaved fade, though. And it was slicked back. And I wasn't a cholo, so don't go there, okay? So don't think that. But it's just, I was just a clean-cut pretty boy that started going to church. And I, and, and, but I couldn't do anything, right? I didn't know how to teach. I didn't know how to preach. Of course, I didn't prophesy. I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't do anything. But I remember, like it was yesterday, he said, hey, we want to build a stage. And the stage was only like, not even like eight inches high. Remember that? And I remember, I remember me saying yes to it. I remember it said, I could do that because a year prior to that, I was working in construction up north and as a framer for about a year as an apprentice. So I came to church and I was like, well, I can't do all that other stuff, but I can build that. And I remember building that. And I remember them having like this build day. And I remember that it was only like me and one other guy that showed up out of the whole church. Which is usually the case. Anyways. So, now not here. Everybody shows up whenever we have a work day. So, so I remember building this platform. And I remember on Sunday, Pastor David getting on that platform and preaching from that platform. I was the proudest new convert in that place. Then I remember, you know, going to church now for like a couple months now, and, and I, was like, I was like, can I do anything else? And he's like, yeah, you want to clean the bathroom? I was like, yes. So I went in, I cleaned the bathroom, and I was like the best bathroom cleaner ever. <laughs> I was like, can I do anything else? He's like, yeah, you could arrange. We had metal chairs. We had metal chairs that we had to space out perfectly. He's like, you want to set up the chairs on Sunday? Yes. I'll, I'll do that. You want to vacuum? Yes. I'll vacuum. So I found myself doing like, little, he, we're going to paint. You want to paint? Yeah, I'll paint. I can do that. I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't lead worship. I can't prophesy. I still hadn't, you know, gotten baptized in tongues yet, so I, I couldn't do that either. But I could do all this other stuff that seemed to be very natural to me, but I was doing something to advance the kingdom in the house. Then he's like, hey, you want to do media? And I was like, yeah, and media for us back then was transparencies, flipping. Anybody remember this? I had an accordion folder with songs and transparencies that the, the little 
the words would come off and I would carry around a Sharpie to fill in the words when they came off the transcript. Some of you teachers, old school teachers, you guys remember this? And I would be the best like transparency flipper there was. You were gonna know what the next verse was. My life depended on it. Sometimes it would be upside down or backwards, but I'd get it right. Then it was like, hey, you want to usher? And I was like, you're going to let me usher? You're going to let me hold the money? <laughs> <laughs> and so I asked Roxanne to take me to the mall. Remember this? Remember you took me to the mall? It was the first time she ever dressed me. <laughs> Not that way. <laughs> Gochinos, man. <laughs> she put on this butt-ugly tie on me, which back then was really fashionable, I guess. I think you put black suspenders on me too, didn't you? I think you did. I think you wanted me to look mafia or something. I don't know. And some, some black slacks. And I didn't have clothes like that. And I remember showing up to church, like all like, I'm going to usher. Next thing you know, it's like, hey, Roxanne's gonna do youth. You wanna do youth? No. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll help her. Next thing I know is I'm a youth pastor. Before long, I'm the worship leader of our church. <laughs> I didn't even know how to sing. I didn't know how to play guitar. I still can't play guitar that good. I, I didn't know how to sing, but they put me up front and I led worship. I knew how to do everything in the church, and then one day they're like, hey, God's calling you to go out and pastor to be a church plant. You wanna go? It started from saying yes with a hammer and nails and building a platform that seemed insignificant. But it ended with me and Roxanne getting launched out to go pioneer a church by saying yes to God. Don't disqualify your small yes today because it could lead you to God's purpose and plan for your future. Never stop saying yes to Jesus and watch him take, it, take you on the adventure of a lifetime. If I could have every head bowed and every eye.